Hello and welcome to another episode of Oconus, The Contractor's Life. I'm your host, Scott Dresser. My guest for this episode is Thomas. Uh, he's a former United States Marine and private security contractor. Uh, Thomas, my friend, thank you very much and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you and I do know each other. Uh, we, God, when did we first meet? Uh, 09 or something like that? I thought it was earlier than that. Uh, it might have been. Maybe. working with John. Right. Back in like uh, 05, 06. I think I met you somewhere around then. Right. Okay. And then uh, I think you and I worked not together, but we we uh, worked at um, from the same facility out in Afghanistan on, on, on different contracts, as I recall. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And we've, uh, we've, we've uh, done some stuff here in the States and... Anyway, so Thomas, um, for the folks that are listening, can you provide them uh, some brief uh, background bio on who you are, uh, what you did prior to becoming a private security contractor? Sure, man. Well, so I, uh, yeah, before the war, um, you know, I'd been in the Marine Corps, uh, so I was in uh, previous to uh, during the first Gulf War, actually. And uh, after that, I just uh, spent a decent amount of time training and um, I actually went to school and got a you know, degree in uh, manufacturing and machining specifically. And uh, when the war kicked off, I was actually working as a bodyguard. Um, at that point, I had worked kind of kind of um, mixed between manufacturing and, and higher level security, just based on what the economy was doing. So in the uh, late 90s, um, I worked in manufacturing. It was you know things were good. And uh, they started to go back down uh, in early 2000. And so um, I was living and working in Detroit at the time, Detroit area, not Detroit proper, but, you know, in the suburbs. And um, where actually most of the, the shops and stuff are, um, as Detroit's pretty unbelievable for anybody that's from that area knows. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, stuck it out there for um, until about 2002. And uh, just all the shops were going under. It was just, you know, it was a hard time economically. So. I moved back to uh, California and uh, started working um, for one of the bodyguarding companies out there and uh, did that for uh, almost three years. And uh, that's when I got the opportunity to work for um, one of the overseas companies. <laughs> and uh, and so, uh, yeah, I did that for actually seven years total. I spent five, five years uh, with Blackwater um, on one of their contracts and then uh, another two years um, on another contract with a company that most people haven't heard of, but anyway, they do the uh, the training contracts. So the first five years were spent, you know, actually doing security operations, and the last uh, two of the seven was spent um, actually training uh, paramilitary forces. Okay. So then I uh, got got married in 2012 and um, decided it was time to. Uh, of course, things have been changing over there quite a bit too politically, and it was uh, you know made sense to, to end my my time over there at that point. So um, ever since then, I've been trying to carve out a living here um, back in the States. Right, uh, which is, uh, we'll get to that here in a few minutes, one of the things we wanted to talk about. Um, but that reminds me, that was two, so you and I probably, I think you're right, we did cross paths and, and saw each other, but I, think, I don't think we formally met until, I want to say it was 2007 or eight there in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Right. Yep. So, uh, okay. Uh, 
Yeah, so you've got a pretty good uh, history and background in all this stuff, uh, and you've done some other stuff uh, since, and we've talked about it, and uh, I don't know, based on what you told me, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you may be getting out of security completely or you're just taking a break. It depends on, uh, you know, obviously what, what happens. Um, you know, <laughs> there's a number of factors, right? I mean, it, it's, uh, number one, it has to be something that, that pays the bills, and that's, of course, one of the big challenges. There's not a lot of work stateside that's compatible um, pay-wise with what's been, what we made overseas. Obviously, there are, there are some exceptions to that. Um, but uh, generally speaking, they require living in places that I don't want to live, <laughs> you know, like L.A. or New York or something. So that's part of the problem. Most of the places, uh, L.A., San Francisco, uh, that I'm aware of that have jobs that pay enough, um, they're like I said, they're just places that I don't want to raise my family. So that's, right. that's a big part of it. If something were to, to arise where I am and, um, you know, if I didn't have something else that I was doing that was that was good, then I'm certainly open to that possibility again. But um, you know, just what's going on in the world. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think the industry is probably changing, and and uh, maybe not for the best. You know, not for the better. So, um, but I guess uh, once again, it just depends on the circumstances. But uh, as far as my personal life goes, I have certainly been uh, oriented in a different direction over the last few years. Right. Yeah, and uh, I'll let you run with it if you want. But that, uh, I mean, uh, you took. Um I don't know if it was a left turn or a right turn, but you diverged there, and I went, "Whoa!" Really surprised me. What was it? Well, you know, you went to the priesthood or whatever you call it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a number of factors there, and uh, you know, just I guess to continue the story, because I think it'll make the most sense if I just, uh, you know, uh, lay out the rest of the the timeline. Um, so when I got back, you know, I, I I decided for the sake of my family, you know, ultimately um, that deploying with a new marriage. I just knew so many guys that, uh, you know, their marriages ended in divorce. Um, I didn't want the same to happen to myself. I wanted to put, uh, not to say that that has to happen. And, and I think if, um, if I had been married for a long time and we were solidified in our, in our relationship, that would have been one thing, but, you know, um, I just, you know, based on that, based on the political, you know, climate change, uh, that was taking place over there. I mean, when I, when I went over in 05, it was great. You know, we had, you know, nobody messed with us. We had, uh, the contract that I was on uh, was ran, was managed very well. Um, we just didn't have problems. And by the end of things, it just got a lot more political. We were a lot more restricted. Uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yep. it, just, it just wasn't it wasn't fun anymore, to be honest with you. So, you know, between that and, and like I said, even if that hadn't been the case, it was just time to move on. But the big challenge is, you know, obviously anybody that's done this knows um, there's just not a lot of compatibility unless you start a company, a security company like you did, um, or you, you get, you know, a job in one of these um, high-paying markets. Um, there just really isn't um, – there's just not really a market for guys with our skill set. Um, the, the security jobs that are out there in other places, um, they don't pay hardly anything, and they're just not you know, high-level jobs. Um, you're just your basic security guard jobs, which – you know, most of us are not going to be content doing after what we've done. So, um, so that's, that's been a big, a big piece of it. Um, and the fact that I had a background in manufacturing, it was sort of a natural fit that I would, you know, pursue that again. So what I ended up doing is end up working for some gun manufacturers and, um, drawing a little bit on both skill sets and, uh, I did that for a while. And, um, then I had, I got it, received an offer to work as a sheriff's deputy 
And uh, so it was kind of an opportunity. I was missing the work. Uh, let see, it had been about um, three years at that point. Um, so this was 2016, so I guess it was more like four years. And I was just missing the brotherhood, you know, I was missing, um, you know, what we did. I was kind of wanting to do that, and I, and I, I guess, had the mentality that, well, hey, you know, I spent all this time overseas, all of us did, you know, supporting people that really didn't even want us there. <laughs> you know, didn't have any really, you know, really give it, I mean, they liked their money, but, you know, beyond that, you know, it didn't really seem like it mattered. And uh, I thought, hey, you know, if I'm going to put my life on the line, it should be for, for, you know, people in my own community is what kind of the thought process was. But, huh. um, as I learned pretty quickly, you know, it, that's got its own pitfalls. Um, it's a, uh, I was uh, with a uh, small town, you know, rural sheriff's department. And, um, you know, the the reality of it is uh, it's in the, um, I guess you call it the post-Ferguson age. Uh, things have just changed a lot. You know, there's there's a, been a wedge driven in between uh, law enforcement and the citizenry, unfortunately, and um, there really is a, an us versus them kind of mentality, and, you know, I just really wasn't uh, wasn't into that. That wasn't what I got into it for or to do, and, um, you know, just uh, I think there's, I think it's, it's indicative of the greater problem society-wide, uh, for sure, but... Um, it, there's some problems there that I don't think can be resolved. Uh, that I don't think they're resolvable under the uh, the current set of circumstances that we find ourselves in. So um, there's just some real downsides there. I was involved in a shooting that um, didn't have a whole lot of support uh, from the department after that. I mean, I was cleared of any wrongdoing. It was, you know, there was no no issues in that regard. But uh, there was just kind of some some weird ways in which things went down after that, and um, it just became clear that just wasn't what. Um, what I should probably be doing at this point. So I think that's probably in terms of where, you know, I've started in some of the conversations you and I have had offline in terms of some of the concerns of liability and stuff that we've talked about and how I think it's you're going to continue to get worse, um, not just in a, a legal, you know, uh, you know, financial sense, but even in a criminal sense, um, because there's just not, doesn't seem to be the same support for common sense that there used to be. Mm. And so, you know, that's another, another concern about continuing on. But, you know, I hope that changes. Hopefully this is just a temporary uh, situation and, you know, things can, can kind of, you know, cyclical, they'll eventually swing back and um, move more towards normalcy. Um, but for the present moment, you know, uh, I certainly have um, utmost um, regard for the people that continue um, doing this, these, these jobs and the, you know, the challenges that, that are involved in, in trying to, I mean, I know how difficult it is. It's a, you know, law enforcement is a very, very difficult job, far more so than most people understand. Mm-hmm. And they just really don't get the support that they should um, from the communities at, at large anymore. And uh, that's unfortunate. I think you're going to see more and more. Um, you know, cops leaving their jobs, and you know the societal ramifications to that are not going to be not going to be good. But um, hopefully, once again, you know things can change. But as far as my my situation goes, um, looking at what's best for your family, not just what I want to do or what you know I'm driven to do, but but looking at how my work impacts my family, um, seeing the lives of you know not just my own family, but the the officers who. Um, got shot, you know, and what it did to their families, the deputies who, you know, almost lost their lives, and seeing what that did to their families, um, 
you know, it was, it was kind of a point of reflection that I hadn't really had to consider before because all the work I did overseas, I was just a single guy. And if I got whacked, I mean, okay, my, my parents would be upset. But, you know, really beyond that, it really just didn't matter. But when you have children, you know, it's, just a, it's, a, different, it's a different ballgame. I mean, you know, they're, they're now that – now you're, you're you know, uh, your kids are going to grow up without a father, you know. And uh, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, there's a reason why – uh, children are supposed to have, you know, both parents. I mean, each each parent plays a role in that child's life, and and uh, dads are very much necessary. So um, as a part of that, they should be there. And so I want to be a part of my children's lives. And uh, it's not that I'm unwilling to go back and do these things, but I think the difference is now is it needs to be really worthwhile. You know, mm. if I'm going to put myself in harm's way, it needs to be you know something that really needs to be done. And not just because, uh, you know, I want to, I need an adrenaline rush or something like that. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's why I've been looking more towards, you know, like moving back to manufacturing. But even there, you know, it's challenging. I mean, fortunately for myself, I had, you know, I had a background in something else. Uh, most guys I know, did, you know, they got out of the military and that's pretty much all they had. And so it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle going from making six figures and, you know, having, you know, pretty much whatever you need or want. Um provided to you know uh, having to struggle just to just to survive and right. um and i have i've struggled with that too you know especially with um uh just you know where we lived you know there wasn't a very strong job market um i've, I've since moved now and uh that's where i'm why why i am where i am now um but in in terms of you know you mentioned the priesthood i mean where that comes from is obviously it's a very big very big subject in and of itself but um but, but a lot of that has to do, once again, in wanting to serve. I think what somebody, what people don't understand about uh, contractors in general is um, a lot of guys, I think, um, you know, they're just good dudes. I mean, they just they just want to serve. They served in the military. They served in law enforcement. They just want to continue serving. And for one reason or another, it's difficult or not, maybe not even possible for them to continue serving in the units they were in before. Um, but they still have that desire to serve. And um, that's what drove me back to law enforcement, you know, from from contracting, and then of course, you know, from the Marine Corps initially. And um, but it's the same thing with the priesthood. It, uh, I think the difference now is is that I am more focused on trying to get to the root of problems, you know, rather than you know, law enforcement. You know, you show up on on a scene after something's happened. Typically, you don't you don't prevent much crime. Most of what you do is you know picking up the pieces after a crime has happened and you know, trying to get convictions and that sort of thing. But um, it's a matter of being more proactive, you know, um, mm. you know, in not just in the priesthood, but just in general. Um, I have other things that I've tried to work on that maybe we, we can talk about that it's all oriented towards um, giving, giving people, uh, helping them to not want to do bad things in the first place, right? Not wanting to hurt their wives or children, you know, all the things that we see, you know, tragically happen, you know, try to get to the root of that. Why does somebody want to do something like that? I mean, a lot of the people that do bad things um, may not actually be, you know, quote, unquote, bad people. You know, there's, there's, they're allowing something to drive them to that. I'm not saying they're not responsible for the actions of their actions. I'm not making that point. They are and, and should certainly suffer the consequences of that. But by the same token, I think, you know, there isn't a lot of recognizing that, um, People are subject to many different forces, right? And people that have gone through some of the difficult things um, that you know, guys like you and I have gone through, 
they're subject to forces that are beyond, that are stronger than what uh, people in the civilian world <laughs> have to deal with typically, right? I mean, right. you know, people that haven't haven't dealt with life and death uh, in a very real way uh, don't have any concept of what that what that really means. And so, those of us who have, um, you know, we see things different, we have a different perspective on it. And so. Anyway, my my real goal in life, I guess, is just you know I've been I'm thankful that I've been able to maneuver my way through that relatively unscathed, and um, so you know as a as a priest, as a you know a counselor uh, related to that, um, you know my goal is to try to help people, um, you know manage their issues, not you know um, uh, trying to tweak them or something. You know, psychology I think personally is uh, as a science. Is kind of a kind of a junk science, personally. I mean, I think the uh, it does more harm than good. But I do think that there are people that that have that have difficulties, and there's a there's a productive way to deal with those difficulties and a non-productive way um, for doing so. And so, you know, my goal related to that is, you know, wanting to wanting to to show people better ways to deal with their their anger. You know, for example, like we all struggle with it, right? We mm-hmm. all struggle with it's very easy to go from zero to just you know raging. Uh, angry and um, you know, like like you said in past conversations, um, you don't even know why sometimes, right? <laughs> like, right. Why am I so freaking pissed off right now? Like, <laughs> you know, it's a simple thing. It's just like like the 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 effect is way beyond the cause, right? Right. And so yeah, so trying to trying to not just not really so much figure it out, but be able to manage it. Like when it happens, recognize it and be able to sort of like redirect that. You know, kind of like uh, sort of like um, you know mental jujitsu. Right, you know, when, when that when when that comes in there, it's a matter, it's a it's a way of managing it in such a way that you don't let it uh, harm you or others, but you take it, you 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 are able to redirect it and and use it even um, for something that's that's that can be productive. Um, so uh, that's that's what I've I've worked out. You know, I've spent a lot of years, you know, working through this through you know martial arts and uh, through my religion and different things and. Um, you know that's what I think I, I've I've been able to use to try to to try to help in that regard and um, you know and and that's like I say why I'm driven to to do that also for the sake of the brotherhood you know I still miss that like you know if there was anything that was going to drive me to want to go back into security it's working with guys like your like yourself again I think hmm. you know everyone can understand um, that uh, I think he's done it that that's you know that's the best part you know I think, yeah you know, it's the is the guys you work with right right well yeah there's you know and I mean, it's a totality of things. That is certainly a very integral part of it, and uh, and I'm by no means trying to uh, diminish it in any capacity. I mean, I remember that for me, it, there was just something. Um, I, I still search for the words. Just it was a, just a simpler lifestyle. It was just it was focused. I knew what I was supposed to yep. do. Uh, people yeah. knew what I was supposed to do, uh, didn't get a lot of flack. A lot of people didn't get in the way. Uh, it, I'm just, and it, you know, we came across all types, but the guys you worked with typically, uh, we had an honor code and, um, even if we didn't like each other, we, you know, we still supported one another. Uh, that's just the way it is, but yeah, yeah, totally. I I, it is. Well, I think some of that depends on the on the contract you're on too. I mean, I, I think some contracts have, you know, I, I was, 
I mean, the contract that I, that I was on had just great dudes. I mean, and I think uh, that's one of the reasons it was so good. I know that it's not always that way. <laughs> right. We're going to be honest. You right. Know, there, right. There can be some real tool bags, right, that right. you have to work with. But, um, that, that really just, you know, in, in my experience, it was pretty rare. I'm not saying it never happened, but it was pretty rare. And honestly, those guys just didn't last. I mean, it was right. the, the whole, you know, the whole big boy rules. I mean, if they didn't like you, you just didn't come back. Right. That's true. They either, like, just not invite you back or just make it so miserable on those guys that they didn't want to come back. So um, either yeah. way, you know, it's just sort of like, you know, it's self-policed. You know, and, and didn't really have um, those those kinds of issues. But yeah, to your point, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of factors. I mean, I, when I got there, I think the other part is we had a, we had a legitimate mission and we were doing good. I think uh, you know to, to maybe state it in different terms. The thing I didn't like with the, politi- the political element of it that was bothersome is that by 2012, it it uh, seemed clear that we were no longer in it to win it. You know, when mm-hmm. I got there in '05, like we were dedicated, you know, to accomplishing the mission. And we were, I mean, we were accomplishing some genuine good over there and help, you know, we were, we were helping people then at that point that deserved helping. Um, but towards the end, it just turned, honestly, we created a, like another entitlement society, you know, mm. but, you mm. know, the same, the same guys, you know, uh, you know, I, I went through a lot of the same places, you know, and, you know, in 05, when I got there, you know, you'd see the, you know, the people to work on a particular base, some of the, the locals, for example, and they were so happy to have you there, you know, and willing to do anything. And by the time I left, you know, 2012, like, they couldn't care less, right? I mean, it was just like <laughs> they were they were fat and they just, you know, like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's just like, it's just like what you see in our own society, right? When you give people, you know, uh, pay, you know, um, you pay them to not work, um, a whole lot of bad comes out of that. Right? Oh, yeah. So, it seems like that's kind of what we did. We just created like an entitlement society over there, and um, you know, it just it just wasn't good. It wasn't worth being there. I didn't feel like you know well, by the time I left. And so, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I, what they call it, they call it now. They called it for a number of years in Iraq. They called it Iraqis first, or something like that. And then in Afghanistan, they did something similar, um, and that's why we saw at one point so many of them on the bases and, and other facilities and installations. Um, and it just got, yeah, it just got really crazy. And, uh, we're, uh, and then on the private side, now that everything's privatized, um, as I understand, unless they've changed it recently, at least half of your standing force has to be, um, local people regardless. Now you can have certain, now there's certain government contracts where, they just say, "Hey, yeah, no," and, and we, I think we know who those agent, who those departments yeah, those, and agencies are. Those are the are. ones I work for. Yeah, right. Those so, are the guys that I work for. So yeah, right. we wouldn't have done that. Right. So some of those, you know, there's like, "Yeah, no, I don't think so." And there's other military agencies that that say, "Yeah, no, that doesn't work either." Um, and, and when they are, they're there for a support reason, like they're linguists or something like that. But yeah, no, it, I, I totally hear you. It, it uh, but yeah, I, I remember. The one thing I remember is there was a local Afghan that that for whatever reason I, I liked him and he was very talkative and he 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 needed some help so I I gave him some boots uh, they just happened to fit him I said here you go here's some boots he was so happy because his footwear was really bad we were coming into winter and then I realized he was always wanting something else he wanted more and then somebody was telling Scott you know this guy's doing just fine. He goes out in town. He's got his own business. This is what he does. I said, really? 
And I remember talking to him about it, and he didn't deny it, but he certainly didn't admit it. So at that point, I said, you know what? That's when what we were just talking about hit me square in the face. I said, all right, all right. Yeah, no. So I didn't do that anymore. We had we had some guys that one of one of the fobs that was on. He uh, it was so funny. They, these guys were making the equivalent. I mean, we were we were paying them. The Americans were paying them. Like I mean, literally in one year they made what might be the equivalent of you know ten years or twenty years, right? Of what they would typically make on the local economy, right? Yeah. We were paying them so well, right? And despite that. They were stealing tires out of the motor pool. Yes. <laughs> and of course, they got yeah. caught eventually and, you know, and fired. But it's like, there is no, yeah, there really is no, I shouldn't say no, but, you know, I don't want to generalize too much. But generally speaking, there didn't seem to be the, the real regard for all the sacrifices that we were making for them. And that was really frustrating. I mean, they were exceptions. There were some, there were some good people over there, too. But, but generally speaking, it just seemed to be that, we created this expectation, right? The expectation is, oh, the Americans have money, and it's your, it's your duty to give us that money and to do all these things for us. And we really don't have to do anything in return, right? right. We didn't really hold them to, we didn't really, we didn't really require them to, for the most part. So they just got all this free stuff, um, and uh, you know, some of them, like I say, would take jobs, but they really, most of them didn't work that hard. I think the, a lot of the interpreters would probably be an exception to that. Some of the inter, the Terps were were uh, seemed to be pretty pretty decent and, and genuine, but um, outside of that, yeah, it was just frustrating. So, you know, all those things taken into account, um, you know, I did I did like the mission. I did like you know doing the job when it when it made sense. Um, but once it so- stopped making sense, then it was really just about the guys. And like I say, on that contract, because it was a cleared contract, contract, you know, you had you know the, the caliber of dude was pretty high. I guess is what I would say. Right compared to some of the other. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. And to, gone down now. Well, and to what you were saying, I think what is that what we're talking about is that as you go around the world, but we're, we're focusing on that part of the Middle East, is that you talk about the entitlement, but, you know, that's their culture and their society for however many thousands of years. Right. That, that's just the yeah, way they're exactly. born and raised, and that's just what they yeah. they are used to. That's what they expect. And when we finally realized, when we got that disillusionment, uh, probably around 2009, 2010, and other guys a little bit later, uh, you know, you had to realize the reason we're failing is because it's a cultural, societal difference. They're not going to be a democracy. (laughs) You know, they're not going to be another little America over there. That's not going to happen. You're so right. So uh, I think that I think that's what we ran into over there, and and that's what we've realized. And uh, you know, in spite of all the people that would like to keep it going, uh, I think I think that's where it's at. Anyway, so uh, so we let's let's transition now a little bit more into uh, the the heart of the matter that we, we were talked we've talked a number of times, uh, you know, about the, the difficulties and the challenges um, in in transitioning and. Uh, you know, finding your way um, and writing yourself and, uh, you know, feeling good about what you're doing when you come home, when you decide to hang it up. Uh, mm-hmm. So why don't you go ahead and pick up with that a little bit more from your perspective? Yeah, well, I, I, sure, sure. I mean, I think, you know, speaking both, you know, in terms of my particular case as well as in a more general manner for, you know, once again, other, other guys listening to this and, um, you know, come out of the contracting world or, or not. Maybe they've been in some kind of situation, though, that's, that's similar. Um, you know, you go from, 
having, like in my case, I went from being able to, once again, purchase pretty much whatever I wanted. And I, and I, I utilize my money differently than most. And I think it maybe bears discussion on that point just for a moment, because it will kind of um, make the future, <laughs> future actions uh, a little more understandable. But, you know, as you know, uh, I, I had tried to develop a, an armor company while I was over there. And um, yep. unlike a lot of the guys I worked with who were – I still have that, by the way. On, I still have that carrier. <laughs> I still have it. I love it, man. I tell you, it's the, I still love it. <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I'm not saying that uh, – I do get that – I get that a surprising uh, a, a lot, though. I mean, I guys – I literally to this day, in fact, about a week ago, I had a guy hit me up saying, hey, man, he's still making making carriers. Um, you know, the thing is, it never really went anywhere. I mean, the people that had them loved them. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's a reason, I think, that uh, it didn't go further. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was trying to do too much. You know, it was beyond my resources – really to do the things that I was trying to do. Hmm. Um, and so as far as lessons learned, that was one of them is, uh, you know, when you're out of the country half the year, <laughs> you know, you just really can't effectively run most businesses unless you have somebody that you can trust when you're gone. And I could never find the person like that that I could afford to pay. You know, a person that was that was trustworthy at that level cost more than I could afford to pay them, even with the money that I was making, unless I gave them, I guess, all my paycheck. <laughs> Maybe it would have worked. But, but, you know, the thing is, that the, the challenge, the point is, is that I, I got, and I worked over the seven years, I mean, I made a lot of money, and I didn't, I wasn't frivolous about it. I wasn't like a lot of the guys that I worked with who would literally buy, you know, $60,000, you know, uh, custom choppers and, you know, go take these elaborate vacations on their, you know, their time off and, you know, things of that nature. I mean, I, I was, I was investing my money into a business, you know, I was trying to have create an exit strategy because I, you know, I never intended to do contracting my whole life. Uh, for one thing, I didn't think it would last anywhere near as long as it has, <laughs> to be honest with you. I never thought the work would be around that long, but so I was always trying to work myself kind of out of that job. Um, and so I, you know, I did, I took, I took the experience that I had over there. I mean, I had to wear these crappy, the stuff that they issued us was garbage. And I'm like, you know, I mean, <laughs> the first, like I got the idea because the first time I got in country, our, uh, our base came under attack and I had a, I had a paraclete is what they issued me. Not a bad system, but, but here's the thing, you know, we're coming to attack and I got to, got to run out to go, you know, man the walls. And if, if you remember how those things are, they have the, um, the cummerbunds, you know, and all the all your mag pouches and everything, you know, was mounted to that. And I didn't uh, have time to put on, so I threw it on over my over my head, and I'm running, dude, and all my freaking magazines and everything are trailing behind me. Wow! And I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. So <laughs> I kind of kind of just resigned. So after that, we had a we had a gear line, it was a Connex that was filled with all kinds of different carriers and stuff. And so I tried out, you know, I'd go to the supply guy like every four days or something and try something else out. And it just, from my perspective, it all had deficiencies. It was all workable, but it all had, you know, things that I didn't like about it. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to build my own. Mm -hmm. That's where it kind of the the design or the idea originated was from actual experience. So, you know, I designed stuff from a user perspective, which, you know, maybe sounds kind of, uh, you know, cliche now, but at the time there really wasn't a lot of that. I mean, a lot of the equipment that was designed was designed by people that really didn't have a lot of experience, I think. And so, um, so it gave me an edge. The problem that I had, though, is I didn't have the connections um, in, in terms of the industry itself, and I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the resources to to really get it out there in the way that it needed to be to be, you know, really successful and viable. And then, kind of the other thing that hurt me is in 
so I got in it. I started. I had had a completed product about really right before the economy crashed. So mm. you know, about 2008 is when I really kind of had things going. And how that affected me specifically was is that people didn't know if their jobs, even in the contracting world, were going to last. And if you remember that, but I remember mm. guys being really concerned about losing their jobs. And it was interesting, but almost overnight, guys that previous to that wouldn't have had problems spending. Uh, fifteen hundred dollars. That was like a dynamic designs or something. They had fifteen hundred dollar uh, armor carriers. That wasn't even the armor. That was just the carrier system. Wow. But they were selling. I mean, they were selling those things. I remember guys buying them. Hmm. And uh, and almost overnight, then you had like the um, really cheap Chinese made uh, stuff come in, and you had people that went from from that from the fifteen hundred dollar armor system or whatever seven hundred dollar uh, paraclete or a $600 Eagle Sears or whatever it was at the time. And now they're coming in, they're showing up with these, you know, $100 uh, Condor gear. <laughs> you know, right. like, like when I got there, if you showed up with Condor gear, you'd be laughed off the contract because if you took your job serious, you wouldn't, you wouldn't come over there with crap. But right. all of a sudden that became like socially acceptable somehow. Huh. And, uh, and it just killed me. So when I came in, my armor systems were really reasonable. I was coming in at about, about 300 bucks. Three to four hundred dollars. So I was a good yeah. couple hundred dollars um, less than any of my competition. But once the Chinese product came in and they became acceptable for use over there, I couldn't really compete. So mm. there was a number of factors like that. Well, anyway, all of that is to say that once I was done, instead of doing what some of what I wish I would have done now, like pay off my house and those sorts of things, uh, I you know I invested in this company that ultimately failed. So I didn't have a huge savings. Um, and so it's kind of like starting over from scratch. And I think there's other guys, obviously, that have experienced that. So now I have this family. I have people that depend upon me, right? And I can't make the money. Mm. Or when nobody's depending upon me, I could make it. Now the people depending depending on me, I can't. And uh, it just put me in a, in a tough situation. And so it's been a struggle the whole time. I mean, I'm not gonna not gonna lie. I've never really felt like I never been comfortable. You know, like I was, you know, previous to that, and that is, you know, it's challenging on a on a psychological level too, because obviously, as men, we're, you know, we need to provide for families. We know that, and it it can be difficult, you know, to do that, uh, or, or having those difficulties. Then, of course, impacts us negatively. You know, unfortunately, I never dealt with you know PTSD type of issues. You know, I. I had a clean conscience about all the stuff that I did. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, that's necessarily where it always comes from, but um, I, I was very upfront with myself before I went overseas. Like, I mean, I watched, you know, some of the videos of, of things. I came to terms with whatever I might have to do when I was there. And so, so that part of it wasn't a problem. But what was a problem is when I got back, um, just struggling and not, you know, going from somebody to have to think about money uh, being a problem to now someone that couldn't make enough and and seeing the impact that has on your family um, mm. is really tough. And um, and I think that you know, for anybody who's honest with themselves, you know, it's gonna it's gonna impact them if they if they've had to go through that struggle. So right, you know, a lot of it's been uh, that time back has really been just trying to find ways to uh, to adjust to that both on both ends. You know, being able to live more frugally on the one hand, but also you know, of course, be able to make uh, a sufficient amount of money by, you know, doing whatever I need to do in terms of extra hours or, you know, uh, going back to school. I'm actually going back to school now, uh, taking classes to uh, um, enable me to, to pursue, pursue other uh, positions within my um, my chosen field now hmm. that uh, they can pay more. So, hmm. 
So uh, do you want to tell people what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I basically, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I started as a machinist, and um, that's, that's what, like I said, in, in manufacturing, but now um, I've moved to automation, so now I'm, I build the machines. Um, rather than just make the parts, I, you know, I do the assemblies and, you know, the um, <clears throat> fitting, and there's, you know, there's a number of different elements that go along with that, but, you know, it's kind of a, kind of the next level of thing to do, and I'm, um, you know, involved. There's, there's a number of these systems, you know, that we, that we build, you know, they're, they, they have, you know, there's a, there's electronics, there's pneumatics, you know, of course, the mechanical, there's, there's a number of different systems that have to work together. So it's, it's pretty interesting and, um, you know, it's certainly uh, a lot better than I think, uh, you know, uh, most of the jobs that are out there, a lot of the jobs that are out there certainly that I've done. Um, and so, so, so that's great, but, um, but, uh, it also pays enough, you know, it pays enough, mm. it takes that, that burden off of us, um, to not be able to wonder where the money's going to come from, right? So, right. Uh, it's really nice not to have to worry so much about that. Hmm. So would you say then that uh, do you think you've found yourself in what you're doing? Do you enjoy it? Do you see yourself continuing to do it? Or or have you just said, you know, this works um, and I can handle it? Yeah, I, I think the latter. I, I mean, I, ultimately, um, there's a part of me that, um, uh, you know, kind of, kind of coming back to the more the beginning of the conversation. I mean, I think people that are wired the way that we are, uh, you know, we're drawn and driven to do certain things. And so, yes, I'm not going to lie. There's a, there's a part of me that um, wishes, a very strong part of me, a very big part of me that wishes I could continue doing uh, that. But, you know, you have to look at your life, you know, in, in total. You can't just... I don't think you can just look at one aspect of things. So it's not just about what I want to do, right? When you have a family, you know, that kind of determines your priorities to a large degree. Not entirely, but to a large degree. And, right. um, and I think that's the point is that the other jobs, like if I went back to contracting, for example, like contracting stateside, I mean, I have, I have I've done some of that work. Um, it's out there. The problem is it's not steady. So, you know, it's feast or famine. So sure, when you're when you're working, you're making good pay. But when you're not working, you know you're starving. So, right. Um, once again, as, as an individual, as a single as a single individual, or uh, if you don't have children, right? If it's just you and your wife, and maybe your wife works, it's a, it's a different circumstance. Right. But when you got children, <laughs> like I do, and uh, I, you know quite a few of them, it's you know you know like. Uh, they, you know, they want to keep eating. You know, it's it's. Uh, right. I can, I can, uh, you know, I can, I can survive on ramen or whatever, but I really don't want right. to have to. Yeah. So it it just it just forces yeah. you to do things that you may not otherwise want to do. So at least this is a job that's interesting. I'm, you know, I'm looking at the good that's there. Is it my is it my dream job? Is it you know my my vocation? No, not at all. But it's certainly something that I think I could I could see myself doing. You know, in the long term. Huh. Um, obviously, okay. I'm, I'm in. You know, well, like I said, you know, I, I went to went to school for uh, you know pursuing the priesthood, um, and that's something that I'm also hoping to be able to do. But in in orthodoxy, in Orthodox Christianity, which is you know the kind of priesthood that I'm pursuing, that's what I'm an Orthodox Christian. Um, you know, the priests sometimes are part time, oftentimes actually are uh, in in this jurisdiction that I'm in are are part time priests. Hmm. You know, a lot of them have to work. So even if I were to uh, gain ordination, um, which you know seems seems to be a, a significant possibility now. I mean, I'm on, on track for that. Um, not to say it'll happen, but you know, there's a good good likelihood that it may. 
Mm. Um, even if that happens, I'll still potentially have to work because the the parishes tend to be fairly poor and they don't have the money to necessarily support a full time priest. So, um, so this it's kind of a, an important thing for me to resolve either way. Um, but I think you know just to kind of wrap up this this thought is by being engaged in that at least in whatever um, time or manner that I'm able to. You know, it allows me to continue serving, if you will, like it's a different type of service. Mm. But I'm still not just living for myself, right? I'm still living for, you know, still working for my uh, community and, and serving my community. So, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of guys really think of it in those terms. Um, but I, I have, just from my experience, and I think a lot of the guys, you know, I know that mercenaries are, you know, mercenaries, quote, unquote, are considered to be selfish and it's just all about the money. And I'm sure there you know, there are guys that are probably like that. But... The guys that I worked with, I think, were, were just, like I said, a lot of them were really just decent guys, and they, um, it wasn't just about the money. It was the fact that they, you know, wanted to do something, uh, continue doing the work. They liked the work. They liked the guys, but they also felt like they were accomplishing something. Right. And in a manner, sometimes it was less restrictive than the military, right, because the military is so restrictive. And so a lot of guys like contracting not just because of the better money, but because they could actually do more there. They could actually accomplish their mission and mm. not be so hamstrung, right? Okay. Did you so, kind of experience it that way? Um, yeah, you know, now that you were on a different contract, though, so well, uh, a bit I mean, right? well, I yeah, I did DOD and, and DOS for a short time, and, and then decided, you know what, that's I went back to DOD and other contracts. Um, yeah, and I I won't at this moment go into why, but uh, you know, it just what mm-hmm. I just it's what I really wanted to do. I I dug. You know that caliber of people. It was really good, uh-huh. and uh, I liked you know the what we were going to do and one thing another. I liked all that stuff, but I just realized, for me personally, and I couldn't I couldn't quite come to full terms with doing that for that particular department at that point in time. Um, and then we saw we 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 we've read and heard some of the stuff that's played out. Um, and, and for me, that was like, you know, kind of like the, uh, huh kind of moment, you know, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, I'm just, uh, so I'm just saying, I just felt far more comfortable and at home with DOD contracts. Um, and, uh, but you know, so, you know, most of the guys are certainly a lot of them. Um, are former military guys. Uh, and I got to, you know, do you feel, do you think that what you learned in the military helped you or gave you some sort of an edge that other guys that didn't have that background maybe didn't have? You're talking about in the civilian world? Yeah, when or you be, when you became a, con, when, yeah, when you went from being in the military to being a contractor, do you think the stuff that you learned in the military helped you? Well, yes, but oh, for sure. But I mean, the thing is, is that there wasn't really anybody who didn't have that background. I mean, everyone that I worked with, I mean, it was very exceptional. Uh, well, I asked you in the early like days. One guy. Right. Uh, what's that? I was saying in the early days. Well, and that- yeah, I mean, you, there was the Blackwater Academy, that whole thing. There was a couple of guys that came out of that, you know, the eight-week um, eight week wonders, I think they called them. <laughs> uh, the guys that, you know, the guys that uh, you know, honestly, the few that I worked with, they were fine. I mean, they they, they, they were seemed to be proficient, but I mean, I had no problems with any of them. But they had there was a real stigma that went along with that for whatever. You know, just what it's, it's whatever. It's like you know all the rivalry between the services, right? I mean, right. So, but almost everyone that I worked with was, was at least military and or law enforcement. So 
Yeah, I mean, there really was no advantage there because we all had a similar background. Okay. And frankly, you know, most of the guys I worked with, to be frank, had a had a background that was considerably more significant than my own. You know, if we're going to be okay. honest, I mean, most most guys were, you know, that I worked with were, you know, typically special operations of some sort, which I really wasn't. So I did a lot more actually as a contractor than I ever did in the military in terms of high speed stuff. Ironically enough, huh. but um, but the guys I worked with, a lot of them. I'd say the majority of them, you know, had a had a background that exceeded my own. So if anything, I was usually at the disadvantage. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm just being honest, you know. Right, right. But you know, it worked out for the job that we did. I mean, you know, we weren't we weren't jumping out of airplanes. So I mean, why do I need to be, you know, why do I need to be have that qualification, right? Like, right. I, you know, we're, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna be doing, you know. Uh, you know, any of these, any kind of those kinds of activities. This wasn't something that we did, so it wasn't right. something unnecessarily in and of itself needed to know. Obviously, there's more to it than that. Uh, special operations is just the training you go through, but the the formation, right, that goes into somebody that goes through that training and the and the difficulties. That's why a lot of the contracts over there, you know, require that. Um, they want six years special operations, or whatever, because they want a guy that's been through, has been that's been uh, formed in that. Right. Um, not that everybody had that, but that's what they wanted. So anyway, yeah, I, I think in civilian life, though, if you ask the questions and the advantage of civilian life, coming back to that, I think that uh, I think the answer on that is sort of yes and no. Uh, yes, obviously, in the sense that you can tolerate a heck of a lot more uh, if you want to. You learn how to tolerate a lot more. But on the flip side, you also don't want to tolerate that because you had to put up with so much of it. You know? and, and the other thing is, you know, the other part of it, you, just, you also don't have the same fear, you know, like – you know, a civilian, they come in, you know, the job, and the, and the boss threatens to do something like that. And, you know, typical people that haven't been through what we've been through, they're going to be all, you know, all, you know they're going to be affected by that in a way that really modifies their behavior. Right. For us, we're kind of like, you know, F off, dude. Like, it like, right. doesn't affect us because we, we, we don't know. <laughs> that doesn't go over very well. <laughs> I don't know if you know that because right. I'm not sure how many regular jobs you've had to work, man. But, yeah, I can tell you from experience that doesn't uh, – yeah, employers don't like that. Well, so I – They I, want something they feel like they can control, and yep. if you're not controllable in that way, then right. it's, it's pretty hard. No, I, I can attest. I mean, uh, since, uh, since I got in security, I've only had – one honest job, so to speak, um, and I did that for a year, and I experienced exactly what you're talking about on a daily basis, and uh, I mean, all up and down the flagpole there at that place, they knew. Um, I, I just didn't take anybody's uh, caca. I don't care who they were. Yeah. Uh, I talked yeah. to them just like another Joe, and if they didn't want to treat me that way or talk to me that way, I basically let them know where the bear poops in the woods. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I was totally frustrated and very angry. Fortunately, I, I found a, a workaround for that and was able to quit that. And uh, my wife was fine with it. She just wished I'd waited a few months, <laughs> you know, because she, <laughs> she had plans, you know. But, yeah. uh <laughs> so, but everything's worked out just fine, um, you know. And I totally feel for guys that are stuck in a rut, don't know where to turn or what to do or how to get out of it. They've tried this and that, and uh, the only thing that's left for them is is either going back into contracting, no matter how miserable it might be on something that because that's all they could get. To flipping burgers, to you know, security is the only thing they can do uh, because every you know nothing else works for them. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time as, you know, 
and even guys that I that aren't in security, I say, look, you know, we all need someone to talk to. We all have these problems. We all have these challenges, these issues that, uh, you know, are trying to figure it out and work it out. So call me anytime, you know, and uh, I try not to call them bug guys too much about it. But, you know, I you and I talked just a couple of days ago. I had a I had a bout yeah. with that stuff for a couple of weeks and I mean, totally unproductive and just. You know, but I'm just, we do have those issues and those challenges and they're real. And it's like, how do you deal with it? You know, um, and you mentioned, you know, you, you got the priesthood, you're a believer. I've read four, I'm on my fourth holy book. Um, I don't go to church as much as I used to, but I'm just, there's a lot of things that we do to deal with this stuff. And sometimes there are things I, that we probably shouldn't do, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so, um, yeah, you know, and you talked about the family thing. I mean, it, you know, I mean, for 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 many years when I quit contracting, it, it's like, damn, dude, what are you so angry about? And uh, it took me a while to figure out that, wow, I don't know, <laughs> you know, because I would say I'm angry at you. You pissed me off. You did this and you said that, and it's, you know, uh, but yeah, so you know, for so for the guys that are that that are out there still struggling and and trying to figure it out. I mean, do you have any? Have you thought or found anything that that you think a formula, anything that works? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've over the years, um, I've briefly referenced it. it. It's you know, over the years, I've just it started as a part of my martial arts training, and um, in terms of you know, and I could put it kind of simple terms, you know, related to to, to physics, if you will. It's, there are forces both outside of us, i.e. people or circumstances, right? There are things that are outside of us that impact us. But then there are also forces within us, right, that drive us to various things. And um, and it's a matter of learning how to uh, to balance those forces, I think, you know, to, to – to, um, if you have a if you have an excess in one area, you have a defect in somewhere else. In other words, there's too much of something in one place. There tends to be too little of it elsewhere. Mm. And the idea is is being able to um, be able to to equalize those, right? To to remove it from the place where there's too much and put it where there's not enough, right? I think if you look at any um, you know, passion is a term for that. Any passion that someone has, there, there's always that dynamic in play within us. And I think the, the simple thing, I mean, there's, there's a there's a simple simple way of looking at this in a, in a more you know in-depth one. But on the simple side of it, it's a matter of recognizing ultimately that the it's not the problem of the external forces. Okay, it's it really has to do with us. Okay, because if somebody gets in your face and they yell at you, they do whatever. You have a choice to make, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can pull out your gun and shoot them in the face. Or you can walk away, or you can say, "Hey, man, I don't appreciate that," you know, and then walk away. Whatever. There's there's a, there's a host of options that someone has available to them, and it's ultimately up to, up to them to decide what they're going to do. Right. The person that gets in your face and yells at you is not really the one who's responsible for you shooting him in the face, right? <laughs> that's, what right. that's still on you, right? That's still that's, on you yeah, because yeah. they didn't force you to do that. Right. So this is kind of my, you know my my point earlier, like, but. But there's also the other side of that is recognizing how somebody gets to the point where where they lose such control, if you will, that they once again the uh, the effect is way well beyond the cause, right? Mm-hmm. And and you, you see this you see this as a cop a lot. You see that's what you deal with pretty much on a daily basis is is that disorder, if you will. And so yes, and the more 
involved answer is, I mean, it's something literally that I've worked out over the, you know, the techniques or whatever. It's something I've worked out over about three decades now. And, um, you know, and it's something that I'm, I'm attempting to formulate, you know, into a systematic way, you know, and then explain it, really kind of liken it to, you know, physical principles, because I think we, we do operate along, along the same lines. And, uh, but at its basis, um, it's, it's recognizing that strength, it's recognizing that all of these things come from within. Hmm. And so this, this book that I'm writing, you know, it's not done yet, but I'm, I'm working on this, on this book, um, called The Unseen Warrior. And what that's referring to really is the idea that, you know, warriorhood or, or manhood, you know, just basic manhood, isn't so much about necessarily just our actions. I mean, our actions too, of course, matter. I'm not saying they don't matter. But it's not just what we do, but the reasons why we do it, okay, and the mm. spirit in which we do it. And the fact that it has to start from within. True mm. strength starts from within. It's not based on, okay, I'm a, I'm a tough guy because I did these 20 things. Well, if you're, if you're, a, if you're terrible with your family, for example, or you, you know what I'm saying? If, if you're, if you're, you're meeting you're meeting the uh, the standards in one part of your life, but you're totally failing in another. Is that really the kind of life that you should be living? Right, hmm. looking at the totality of your life once again and recognizing that um, if I'm going to be if I'm going to be a strong man, I need to be strong in all of these areas, not just this one, not just the one that Hollywood says I should be strong in. Right, it's not huh. just about once again the the active service that we have. I'm not saying that doesn't matter; it does, um, but. If you're, if you're, once again, if you neglect or you beat your children or, you know, or whatever, if you're, if you're a terrible father, are you really being the kind of man that you should? Are you really a strong man? I would say no, you're not because hmm. you're focusing on, on the externals rather than on the internals. And I would say that's probably why so many people, for example, who come out of the military, it's kind of a surprising phenomenon if you think about it. Like how many guys do you know, do we all know, who they, they're really good when they're in the military, right? They're super squared away, super disciplined, and they get out and they just become um, become turds, you know, for lack of a better term, right? <laughs> you know, I'm trying. I don't know how family friendly this you know this podcast is, but you know, just to use polite language, you know, they're 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 not they're not what uh, anybody that we would want to emulate, right? They, right. And their life almost doesn't reflect at all the things that they did, uh. right? Well, why is that? I think it's because. Um, there's that. There's the disconnect. They're, all of their discipline, all of their actions are externally imposed, right? Hmm. Somebody told them they had to do these things. There was a structure provided for them. So as long as that external structure was provided, they could do these, these things hmm. and, and could function pretty well. But as soon as you remove those things, they can't function anymore. The difference between discipline and self-discipline, right? Hmm. So they have discipline, but they don't have self-discipline. And, you know, I think... As, kind of just to wrap this up i mean it, it the difference really is once again the ability to do what what to follow the structure that's been provided for you or or to be able to cultivate this the strength this interior strength that then manifests itself in exterior ways right so instead of it coming from outside in it's it's deriving from the inside and moving out and okay. um that's a lot more challenging it's a lot more difficult to do and um and I think we fall short in that regard a lot more often um, because there's there's less maybe peer pressure for that. You know, uh, everybody wants to appear good. Everybody wants to appear like they've you know um, they're the best at this or whatever. But I think reality of it is very few people can meet can meet those standards across the board. You know, mm. 
and uh, being honest with ourselves and recognizing, hey, you know what, there's room for improvement here. You know, I suck in this regard. I need to get better there. That's going to yeah. actually make you a better, better, uh, uh, more proficient, you know, in, in any in any domain, including the tactical domain, right? right. If you think, right, we all know the guys at the braggarts, right? They're the, they're the ones that suck the most. They're the ones that you don't want to work with. The guys, oh, I did this, and I did that, and blah, blah, blah. That's not the guy you want to work with. That's not the guy, really, who has it together, right? We right. know that. Right. Um, it's, it's the quiet professional, right? The guy doesn't have to talk about um, what he's done. The guy who just does it. You know, the guy who's able to look at, look and say, yeah, you know what, I need to improve there. And he goes out there, you know, whatever, I'm not very good at mag changes. So he's back in his room there doing freaking drive-fire mag changes for, you know, three hours to get good at him. Right. That's the guy you want on your team, right, who can, who can acknowledge where he's weak and puts in the time to get better, you know, without somebody having to tell him to do it, right? That right. guy's got – interior strength that guy's got self-discipline that's what you want that's what i've i've tried to cultivate so in answer to the question i think that's people look at the wrong sources they try to to get they they, they struggle with these things but they look to the wrong sources to try to resolve them mm-hmm. and it's just not a problem you can resolve from the outside in yeah it's got to come from the inside out and go out right um and and i know that there's different uh thoughts on the approach on how to do that um, I think you're, yeah, correct me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong on this or mistaken, but I think your slant or perspective on it, your approach is at least in some regard, uh, for lack of a better term, a spiritual approach. Cause I know that talking with a lot of other guys, that's what's worked for them. And I know that's what's worked for me. And I still have a long way to go, but, um, and, and a lot of improvements to make, uh, but I know that's been a big help for me. Uh, it's a big rock for me to lean on. And um, uh, but the, I think one of the things is that I had to really be willing to accept and acknowledge uh, when guys, not you necessarily, but guys like you and the people that we know, um, tell us honestly, hey, brother, you know, you're really slipping here, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, um so with that said, uh, I mean, I think you would agree with that. Um, but so if you haven't already, can, can you can you explain what it was? I I think you did, but uh, what it was that attracted you to getting into security, and then what was it that that, that finally was you ultimately said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to do overseas contracting anymore. Yeah, well, it's it's really simple. I mean, I. I um... For me, it wasn't really about the money. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I mean, yes, I, yeah, I love making the money, but um, but it was more about the fact of being able to to do something significant, do a significant good. Hmm. And when I when when you know the war kicked off, I believed in what we were doing, um, as I think a lot of people did. Um, and of course, like you said, it has played out. You know, we have sort of a different perspective on it now. And not that I think it was a waste of time. Um, but it might have been. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 you know. Well, it certainly but, ran its it, course. It, it, it ran its course. That's probably a better way to put it. But nevertheless, you know, I believed in the cause. I believed that you know what we were doing, at least in our little in our little world, not necessarily the, the GWAT as a whole. I mean, not, not every element of it, but you know, at least our piece of it uh, on on the side, you know, that I worked on. Uh, we were doing some good. I mean, we were, we were saving lives. We were we were accomplishing some good work. And I think that's ultimately what drew, what, what, uh, drew me to it was the, the ability. I've just always wanted 
even as a kid, man, I was the kid that when, you know, I'm going down the street on my bicycle, and my, my parents had to tell me, I don't remember, but, you know, uh, and I saw a kid getting beat up, I'd jump off the bike and jump in and try to help the kid. Not mm. even know what's going on, and mm. get my ass kicked too, probably. <laughs> you know? But the thing was, it was like, that's just who I am, man. It's just uh. what I have to do. And it's my it's my makeup. It doesn't you know it's not anything I take you know pride for or or, or credit for. It's just how I am, right. how, I'm, how I'm made up. And um, so that that's ultimately why I've I've worked in security. Obviously, uh, and did the bodyguarding and all these things, all the different kinds of security that I've done. Um, when it when it comes down to just guarding like a you know construction site, like I've never really done that kind of security. Like I that kind of thing doesn't do it. But when you're when you're taking care of people, right, that is great. Yeah. And as far as why I got out, it's because I just didn't feel like we're doing that anymore. I mean, that's, you know, I, there were other factors, too. Like I said, the, the marriage and, you know, getting married and stuff and settling down. But but even if that wouldn't have happened, I probably would have would have stopped doing it because of the fact that it just it no longer made sense. We really weren't helping anyone anymore. We were just wasting time and money. Hmm. And in that in that light, it was just time to go home, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, we could have we could have. We could have accomplished the mission, but we chose not to. And so, mm-hmm. why continue to waste resources if we're not going to, you know, again, be in it to win it? You know, to to accomplish the, what we set out to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, so, and you worked a fair amount of private security here stateside too, in between and during, right? Uh, not so much afterwards. I mean, I did a little bit. Um, you know, I did some uh, just con some basic contract jobs. I worked in um uh in California doing some uh some stuff out there in the uh in the forests. Um yeah, I remember the picture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn was man, where are you? <laughs> yeah. That was just fun. I mean like like from the standpoint of you know, were we really doing much? No, I mean, you know, we were, we were helping trees get chopped down. But it was just, I don't know, messing with hippies uh, <laughs> that were fun and just being out in the woods and, you know, chasing them around on four-wheelers and, you know, whatever. It was just a fun job. I made good money doing it. So, uh, you know, it was just sort of, you know, didn't really fit the model. It wasn't something that I could see myself doing in the long term, but it, right. you know, filled the need at the moment. I needed uh, to work, and it was a pretty fun job, so I did it. Um, but, yeah, not really not that much. I mean, the, most of the stuff that I did, like I said, was the bodyguarding work. Um, and then the law enforcement um, stuff, pretty much the rest of it really has been um, primarily focused on the manufacturing. The only exception to that is I briefly had a uh, – I started a training company um, where uh, I was teaching uh, basically armed combatives, and um, we were using uh, stim guns and um, uh, Spartan suits, like the Tony Blower suits. And the idea behind that was it was going to – you know, I was going to teach – you know, legitimate combat and um, close range, though. And uh, but what I found, you know, I guess not surprisingly, but um, another another little learning experience was the fact that um, despite how much people clamor for the desire for reality, uh, they really don't want reality. Right. <laughs> what I concluded from the experience is they want an approximate. They want what what they perceive to be reality but without responsibility. And so what I mean by that is is that nobody really wants to get punched. You know, they, right. they may talk about, oh, yeah, you know, I want to do this real thing, and I want to know how to be a gunfighter and blah, blah, blah. But when it really comes down to it, nobody wants to get punched or shot, even in a simulated way. Right. And um, there really just isn't a lot of market for it. So, once again, all the bravado, everybody talking about, oh, yeah, you know, this, that, whatever. 
yeah, nobody really wanted to get in the ring and and improve themselves. Right. Um, you know, so it was uh, that didn't that didn't last very long. But the idea on that really was, you know, even in that there was a there was a movement to um, try to help people because in in the area that I was living at the time, there's a lot of people that are armed and think that simply owning a gun means that you no need, no longer need to concern yourself about protection like it's it's mad this mad the gun is just magic huh. and it will automatically take care of you like uh and i'm of the viewpoint that it's obviously you know it's the right starting point but like anything you know you need to train with it you need to gain proficiency with it right in in a realistic way and the reality of it is the way most people train i'm not saying you don't know but just you know for the sake of getting it out there um, for somebody who hasn't maybe thought about this, is um, the way that most people train is almost in no way analogous to what happens in an actual gunfight, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's terrible preparation. It's terrible preparation. So my goal was, my crusade, if you will, was to try to move people out of their laxity, if you will, their their laziness, um, of thinking that, oh, hey, I've got this gun in my purse, you know, if this is some gal, I don't need to worry about, you know, situational awareness. I don't need to worry about, um, you know, getting the thing or being able to get draw it while I'm being punched or, you know, uh, in a confined space or being able to shoot a moving target or any of these things that come into play, right, in terms of a, of, of a real gunfight. A real gunfight is dynamic, you know. You don't have the benefit of a target that's static and you being static and nothing in the way and, you know, on good ground. And all the things that we rely upon in, in many cases, a lot of those factors are just not even present. So if you don't train in a realistic environment, you know, you're um, – lessening your chance of success of course and so that was my goal there hmm. and while people like the idea in theory i just it just you know nobody's willing to nobody was really willing to, to get in there and try it so hmm. um that was a fun experiment but it ultimately, it, right. ultimately <laughs> failed you know okay. at some point maybe there'll be a, an interest there but uh or maybe it just i was in the wrong place doing it but um I've halfway had the thought of you know where i'm at now trying something like that again because i think there might be a better market for it hmm. but um but that's really been the main thing, and, and helping people overcome their fear. I guess that's the other piece of it is the psychological, you know, the mental side of it of, of overcoming fear and and uh, being able to, you know, once again get over themselves. Uh, I think that's a big part of it is mm. not to let um, those passions, if you will, uh, over overcome you. Right. Um, and that 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 pertains to everything, including the spiritual life, of course. But you know, even in in the physical life, if uh, somebody's just a hothead, if somebody doesn't have self control. Um, can they really be successful, right? If they're loose cannon, if they're, you know, um, not able to be directed, if they're not able to um, do certain things, they're not necessarily going to be able to contribute well to uh, to the company, for example. Hmm. So, you know, there's there's a yeah, there's different. There's a time and a place for for nearly everything, but I think you know, if you don't have self discipline, you don't have the ability to determine you know, what that time or place is because you're essentially a slave of yourself, right? Mm. You're not able to overcome yourself. And so, like I said, what I've been working on and, and you know, eventually hopefully I have done is is really a kind of a cohesive system of helping somebody to uh, to be able to overcome themselves in such a way that they don't live at the mercy of these, of these interior or exterior forces but are able to choose what they're going to do on their own terms. Hmm. And not to say that it's going to, that they're never going to feel anger or, or, you know, sadness or whatever, but, but they're, it's not going to consume them. It's not going to overwhelm them. 
it's something that they're able to redirect and continue moving forward um, so that it doesn't lead them to do bad things or things that are, that are uh, you know, kind of uh, not help them or others, let's put it that way. Right, right. Um, and that's, that's a huge, big subject that um, we could spend an awful lot of time on. Um, yeah, so let me, sure. let me ask you as we're, as we're uh, nearing uh, wrap-up time on this. Uh, so if you can, in a nutshell, what's changed for you? How are things different for you these days, and what do you foresee for your future? Um, I think, uh, you know, I think for me the, the biggest difference is, um, you know, is gaining, uh, you know, stability, getting, getting grounded in life. Um, not, I, like I, I think, I guess the simplest way to put it is to be okay with whatever comes my way. Hmm. You know, I think, uh, in the past it was always, if I have this, then I can, you know, do this. Or hmm. if I have these things, then I can be happy or whatever, or be content. Probably a better word. I don't like the word happy, but you know, be content. I can be you know, satisfied. You know, ultimately, um, we don't. There's there's very little that we actually control. I mean, you know, it's hard enough to control our own actions, right? <laughs> let alone everybody else's actions. Let alone the economy. Let, you know, what I'm saying like, right. like people tend, you know, they forget how little control they actually have. Right. Right. We tend to think that we can exert this this great sphere of influence, but we really don't. And um, you know, everything we have, if you think about it, came from somewhere else. Our existence came from somewhere else. Like, we didn't bring ourselves into existence, right? We didn't give ourselves the talent we have. We didn't, you know, like, everything we have, we've received. We're essentially stewards of it, in a sense. And so it's a matter of recognizing that and recognizing the fact that because we didn't produce it, we may also lose it. Right? And we have to be okay with that. You know, it's not really ours to have. Right. And so as long as we have it, we enjoy it. We're thankful for it. Um, but it can take it at any minute, you know. Um even things we don't like to think about, like loss of family members or I mean, like it happens, right? And so right. we have to be okay with whatever comes our way. I think that's that's the key. And and being grounded enough, um, for me, like you said, it's in my faith and in the knowledge that um, I, I owe my total existence and the sustainment of that existence to my creator um, who, you know, providentially put me where I am in the circumstances that I have and um, – will help me through whatever situations that I, I have to deal with mm. and, and really believing that and really doubling down and, and taking solace in that and, and being grounded in that so that when hard things come, when bad things come, you lose a job or something bad happens, you're okay with that. And, and you're not, um, it doesn't drive you to do bad things once again, or to make the matters, make matters worse. Right. I'm going to continue on doing what I need to do. Um, and, in the end, it will work out the way that it's supposed to work out. I, I will do everything I possibly can. I'm not going to just sit back, and I think a lot of people have that wrong, where they just think, oh, well, you know, God's going to do everything for me so I can just, you know, kick my feet up. No, that's not <laughs> true. There's no, there's no precedent for that anywhere um, in our religion for that. Like, I mean, God works through human instruments. And so, you know, he chooses for us. We have to do our part. He gives us the ability, but we have to actually uh, walk through that door, right? He opens mm. it up, but we have to walk through it. And so uh, I think a lot of people forget that, and it's honestly kind of annoying when you <laughs> come to that, where, right? Like, it bugs the crap out of me when, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I you know, God can do this for me. That really? Well, what are you going to, what are you, how are you going, what are you going to do to facilitate? Like, this is a relationship, right? It's a working relationship. You know, you, he gives you the an opportunity, but you have to capitalize. You have to, know use that opportunity it's not just going to happen automatically hmm. um so this this totally passive 
approach isn't good either. So anyway, but also the but understanding on the other side of it that that we are limited. There's only so much we can do, and, and being okay with that, you know. And right. um, uh, it's taken a long time to get to this point because mentally, like like my character is not wired that way. Like I want to control everything, you know. Like, right. I want to have everything laid out and be able like there's there's the objective, you know. Let's go kick in that door or charge the hill or whatever. That's that's how I'm wired. But I I've just gotten myself into trouble so many times in life trying to do that without you know utilizing the good sense to recognize you know maybe now is not a good time to just <laughs> let's wait a little bit and then do it right right wow wow that's the i think brother okay yeah. so i was going to ask you and maybe you just did that and tell me if you did because i think you did i'm going to ask you if there was a takeaway or a thought or two you wanted to leave folks with well you know on this you know the the whole veterans i, I think it's uh the, the most serious point that uh, I think we've talked about, um, or somber point at least, in, in this conversation is, you know, is the is the challenges that we face as veterans. And, uh, I mean, everybody's heard, you know, the 22 a day. Um, I'm not sure that number is exactly accurate. I've heard different versions. But it's a lot of, it's a lot of veterans. I mean, whatever that number actually is, it's a lot of people who take their own life. And um, that's a tragedy that is just not getting sufficient, a sufficient amount of um, – you know, media play, I guess you could say. But the mm. flip side is, I think the reason, partially the reason, is because there's no one really offering a solution to it. Nobody has a real solution to it, um, because I believe once again they're they're looking in the wrong the wrong areas. You know, a social program isn't going to solve that problem. Especially, let's think about this. You know, your guy has done the kinds of things that we've done undergone the kind of hardships that we have and you have some some psychologist you know some college graduate right who's never done any things that we've done trying to tell us you know what we need to do to not have the problems they can't relate they have no <laughs> concept of the challenges that we go through right you know this is a major part of the problem that the people that are trying to solve this problem have no concept at all whatsoever about how to solve the problem or even what the problem is for that matter mm. and um it's it's there's so many good dudes like I've had guys I mean I know guys contractors guys that we all looked up to man that took their own life and it, it's it's mm. mystifying like that's the guy you wanted to be like you know in, in terms right. of life for me at least you know these are the guys that had the experience that I wish I had these are the guys you know this they everybody you know wanted to serve on their team and you know whatever they they gave every impression of being the guy and yet they're the ones that kill themselves like it it's Dude, what is what's going on? Right. It shows that we don't have the whole picture. Is is kind of coming back to my earlier point. They, we don't have the whole picture, and and if somebody's not honest with themselves, then that's what that leads to. Sadly, you know, if if they start to believe, what is that? Um, <laughs> please, uh, you know, uh, all, all the all the seals are listening to this. Please uh, forgive me, but I worked with a lot of seals. So I've heard, <laughs> you know, uh, but the, the the problem with this, what one person said, the problem with the seals is they started to believe the myths, their own myths about them, right? Hmm. Um, I, I think there's something to that. I think there's something to be said that when you are unable to be honest with yourself and to recognize, yeah, man, you know, I struggle with this, and this isn't the best thing. And it's not just about seeking help. I mean, that's a part of it, maybe. But it's it's also the fact of just being honest, being real, mm. and, and, and grasping the fact that you can't do everything, that you don't have total control, mm. and that, you know, there are certain things that you do control, though. And one of them is, obviously, you know, your actions. And so to, to allow yourself, on the one hand, to say that I can do all these things, but on the other hand, to believe that 
you know, you're really not responsible, right? Well, I've had this happen. I've had that happen. So you start to justify it, right? You start to, to create the justification in your mind to do bad, to do these, these, these harmful things to yourself or others. You know, that's not good either. I mean, at the reality, at the end of the day, um, we have to recognize that once again, we did not bring ourselves into existence. What we have has been given to us for a certain purpose. And we often fall short of that purpose, but we still have to continue trying. Hmm. And to be honest about our failures and to be, uh, and to recognize that, um, that's all right, you know, because let's face it, there's nobody who's perfect, you know, right. um, in, in this life. We all have failures, even the guys that don't appear to have any, because they're able to present that image so perfectly that we all think that they're perfect when they're not, you hmm. know. Um, and there's cases that have made national news. The guy, uh, uh, Captain America, I think they called him. That was his nickname because he was the perfect soldier, right? Recently, a couple months ago, um, you know, killed himself. Hmm. Um, all kinds of issues there. So I think that's it. It's just, it's just, yeah, being honest. Being honest with yourself and recognizing that you're not, you're not responsible for everything on the one hand. And on the other hand, you know, ultimately you can't do it all on your own. Um, and uh, obviously uh, the last thing I'd say on this, of course, and it kind of underlies everything else I've said is, um, I don't, honestly, if I didn't have my faith, I don't know how, you know, I, I don't know how anybody survives, to be quite frank. Like, you know, right. that underlies everything because life just doesn't make sense. <laughs> if there, if we didn't come from, you know, it just doesn't. I mean, if we didn't, if we didn't come from something, how did we get here, right? And right. if, and the way that we are, that we're constituted, right, is not arbitrary. Like, everything is put together in a certain way for a certain reason. And so, you know, if you deny that, you know, what you, what you end up with is just is totally meaningless. And, hmm. you know, uh, so that, you know, you, there has to be some meaning behind it. And I think, you know, um, uh, looking, digging deeper on these things is what gives that meaning and, and, and enables us to make sense uh, of a world that often seems to be senseless, right, <laughs> in terms hmm. of the, the things that happen here. They're, you know, it's a, it's a matter of seeing past, seeing past the event and, and understanding it in a deeper way. Hmm. Wow. You know, that's, uh, that, that's a lot. And I think you're, I think you're right. Well, no, but I think you're right. I think you're certainly on the right path there and, uh, make a lot of sense. Like I said, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have struggled and done and had, you know, same or similar problems and issues. And they only were able to dig themselves out from under what would otherwise have been a, an early grave if they had found what you're talking about and, and went with yeah. it, and, and I and I I think I probably would have gone that way uh, somewhere between the time I stopped contracting and right now. Had I had I, you know, not had a lot of help and encouragement and support, and you know, so yeah, no, I mean, it's I think you're right. It, it, we we need more attention uh, to the veterans, the contractors, uh, you know, anybody and everybody that serves privately or publicly in a capacity where we serve to help other people because we do see here and experience things that most people only see here and read uh, in a video or at YouTube or in a movie. Um, so they don't, you know, so yeah, no, I think there's a huge disconnect and I think that is, I think that is, we need a lot more awareness to what you're talking about. I mean, you and I talked offline just a couple of days ago and, and I think I told you again earlier today that, uh, you know, I was in Iraq working when, when, cause I had three dads, my paternal dad, but one of them, uh, took his own life 
when I was in Iraq working. And he was a former Vietnam vet, three tours, and wanted a fourth one. Um, and then, you know, and I lost another dad, you know, through different circumstances. Uh, you know, died in the hospital after being there for three months while I was in a training program. Um, and uh, so, you know, all those things mount and add up. All these things that we go through that we don't talk about, uh, that we keep repressed and suppressed and keep them to ourselves. Um, and, you know, there are certain trigger points and, you know, because they remain bottled up. So it's, it's that old thing, you know, it's like, how hard can you shake that, uh, that can before it explodes, you know? Well, I'm just, right? Yep, yep. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Totally right. So my friend, um, we're going to, uh, got to put the skids on this one. I hate to say that. This has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, we could talk so much more. And, uh, you know, we will have to do this again because um, there's a lot lot more for us to talk about. Excellent. So uh, stick around just for a minute or two, if you will, after this is over. Um, so for everybody that's out there listening, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, out of your day or evening to listen to this. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I thank my guest, uh, Thomas. And uh, folks, remember to be careful what you wish for. Stay frosty. And until next time, keep it real.